Eligible receivers, Pac-12 football podcast, take eight. Uh, Herm Edwards, Arizona State, surprise winners in Strawberry Canyon, Washington, surprisingly easy winners against USC. All that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver, offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So we started off on Friday night in Strawberry Canyon, and first I gotta say, we tried to record this last night, and my uh, uh, computer uh, correctly ascertained that my energy was dog shit, you know, and was like, yeah. we're not using it, uh, which, is, yeah, which yeah. is a pain in the ass, but my son blessedly fell asleep on time tonight, so hopefully we can get through this quick. So no, you gotta, you gotta respect it when technology puts its foot down. Yeah, that's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Cal undefeated coming off. Uh, they had the big upset win against the Dogs in the Lightning game. Uh, late winners against Ole Miss, so they went in, on the road to SEC country and took care of business. And then they are at home against, uh, you know, a kind of upper downer uh, Arizona State team. That uh, what they didn't they lose to Colorado? Arizona State did, yes. Yeah, That's and then, but they were also coming off like they also went to Michigan State and backed up their win from last year. Like so, like they're they're kind of like competent and erratic. Yeah, no, I mean this is their second uh, road win, you know, you know of the year. As you mentioned, the prior the Michigan State win, uh, and I think the story for this game, as <laughs> most everybody who is going to listen to this podcast knows. That you know that Ethan Garbers, um, uh, check that Chase Garbers, Ethan Garbers' brother, um, Cal's quarterback, who's acquitted himself nicely this year. Uh, looks like broke his collarbone early in this game. Their backup is uh, Devon Modster. He was not good, not prepared for uh, to play under the lights. Uh, was real comfortable in that backup role, and ASU took advantage of that and made him look bad. And, you know, Herm gets out, gets out of Strawberry Canyon with the W. Yeah. If you're Devin Monster, at, at this point, you got to be saying, listen, I tried to be clear. I am trying to go to, like, you know, a Power 5 school so I can get uh, a bunch of cool, like, warm-ups and stuff like that. But do not play me. I tried to tell him this in Pasadena, and it was looking like I might get on the field, so I came to Cal. And, the, yeah, that guy just didn't get it done. I saw John Wilner tweet, uh, the 2019 Cal offense without Chase Garbers looks like the 2018 Cal offense with Chase Garbers. <laughs> which is, like, uh, which is really, honestly, a testament that he's become, like, decent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's you got to respect it. Yeah, you got to. All right. So, uh, uh, did anybody have Arizona State in this one? No, we all picked Cal. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, we got to buy it now with this Cal team that we all knew never was going to go undefeated. Uh, take it to Saturday. Take it to Rice-Eccles. Utah, the Utes coming off a loss to USC. Washington State coming off the Coug to end all Cougs uh, against UCLA. Uh, both these teams desperately needing a first Pac-12 win, but only one would get it. And that is Utah comfortably. Really comfortably uh, without uh, Zach Moss, right? I mean, that's the thing that's impressive about this is Tyler Huntley carried this offense to a, you know, an explosion of points over 30 points. 
Um, the defense rebounded from its uh, prior week debacle against USC, where it led a back, back up to a backup quarterback throw for over 300 yards and, and decimated secondary, held the, the WSU air raid to 13 points. Um, you know, a complete victory for Utah. And then if you turn around and look the other direction, you'll see that WSU did not recover from its uh, epic, epic failure uh, against UCLA. Uh, did not show up for this game prepared. And Mike Leach afterwards was very unhappy with his team. Yeah, he like had he like called them some names. Like names that you shouldn't call like college kids, really. You know what I mean? Like like we I, I mean I'll I'll be the first to acknowledge that, you know, the rules have changed on us over time and you know, a lot of the vernacular that was, you know, moderately socially acceptable when we were in college is no longer within the within the bounds of, of acceptability. Um but you don't often hear, you know, anybody in any position of authority referring to other other people as fat, you know, like you don't you just don't see it that often anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And like, uh, I mean, I guess like if you're Mike Leach, you're like you've only been coaching in places where you weren't getting recruits anyways. You know what I mean? So it's not I was thinking like, well, all these other coaches are going to use this to recruit against them. But it's like they don't want his players. Yeah, so maybe that's liberating you know, in a sense. And it's potentially also the case that he's been coaching in places that are a couple years behind in the in the social norms category and like not haven't quite caught up to where the rest of us are. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe he just doesn't know. Like that's that's a possibility. But in any event, he he kind of he kind of destroyed his team um, afterwards, and maybe they deserve it, maybe not. I think the the story to me for for the Cougs in this game is that their their defense is. I think bad, I think is the word for it now. I mean, it looked like it against UCLA. I mean, you have to be bad to give up 50 points and a half, but maybe that was just an aberration. They relaxed, they let their guard down, they couldn't get their edge back, whatever cliche you want to use. Um, But, you know, against a Utah offense that is, you know, and has been pedestrian for a long time, you know, and hasn't really been blowing the doors off of anybody, to give up, you know, 38 points or whatever it was, um, you know, I think I think it may be a lot. They have a tough schedule. Maybe a long season for that for that Coop defense. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think that might be it. And uh, with uh, it's uh, to me what I take away from this Washington State game is that how important uh confidence is in college football because when they're ticking over, they you know they've had quarterback after quarterback from uh, um, uh, what was his name from Spokane to Luke Falk? Is it Carson some other or something? Like Connor that? Holiday. Connor Holiday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Connor Holiday, Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew, Anthony Gordon, all of them just getting in there and doing it, putting up video game numbers. But like, uh, and they've been winning pretty consistently here for a minute, you know, since like Luke Falk era. Uh, so like, I, f- I feel like a lot of that is because they're so ingrained in what they're doing that they know it's going to work. And now maybe all of a sudden they don't exactly know it's going to work. And uh, the defense was feeding off the offensive swag. And that's not there right now. Could be. Yeah. And I think you made the good point when we recorded it yesterday regarding uh, uh, maybe their last quarterback uh, was pretty good. Yeah, the Gardner Minshew guy, it turns out, you know, since he's starting as a rookie in the NFL now. I mean, granted, due to an injury, but, um, you know, he's acquitting himself nicely in the league. So, you know, it's it's possible that he was able to take them to an even higher level uh, on his on his very own, and uh, they missed that. Yeah. 
He's like a he's like an all time positive vibes guy. You know, that's a good. You thing. know what he is. I mean, like, uh, it, like it's almost a perfect analogy. He's he's effectively like Washington State's version of what Washington would say Corey Dillon is, right? He was on campus for a minute and like only a minute, but while he was there, he made it clear to everybody around him that he was playing a different game, you know, at a different level than most everybody else was. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, that's a good analogy. Uh, next up, we had Stanford went to Corvallis, uh, where uh, you've pointed out they traditionally have some trouble. Uh, and this did end up being a very close game. 31-28, to 28, Stanford ekes it out in the end. They survive a furious fourth quarter from the Beavers, uh, where the Beavers scored 21 of their 28 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, late field goal from Jet Toner. Cardinal win, Cardinal win. It's interesting. I've, you know, I, I've talked about how they have trouble in Corvallis. But they always win. Like, they always barely win. I think they beat Oregon State like nine or ten times in a row. But even when they were absolutely rocking and rolling and Oregon State was pitiful, you know, they they squeak out these one-point to three-point wins and just don't look good doing it. Now, I think this year is a little different than years past. They're not rolling. Stanford is not anywhere near um, what it was in prior, you know, prior versions of the Stanford squad that came in there were way better. But – the result is the same, which is, you know, Stanford got up big, held on late, and actually had to kick a field goal, not not quite as time expired, but close, um, to, to ice this thing and win it. Yeah, and uh, what's frustrating if you're Oregon State uh, at this point is they're, they're trying to kind of turn the corner here. Uh, they are, you know, they, they lost the game to Hawaii by the exact same score, you know. These were games that they're at some point you just have to start winning them to get like the momentum going, uh, and uh, you can miss that window, you know, before the players just be like, "Well, we're not. This coach isn't going to have us win either." Yeah, it could be a long, a long haul for Jonathan Smith down there. I mean, I know he's an alumni of that school, and so it's probably a lot of good vibes for him being around the town again. You know, he probably feels really good about being there and. And who knows? Maybe he will turn out to be a trans, you know, transcendent kind of coach. Transcendent, transcendent, transcendent. transcendent. Yeah, that's right. The transcendent um, coach, but um, it could also be that it's just going to be too much. I mean, like there's such a they're in such a hole from a recruiting and facilities and and everything standpoint. Particularly if Oregon and Washington are good. Particularly if Mike Leach is still at WSU. Uh, particularly if David Shaw is still at Stanford. I mean, they're now Justin Wilcox at Cal. I mean, they they are solidly the sixth best program in this division every single year. Yeah, and like if especially like Washington State has a lot of similar limitations due to geography and uh, resources, but they overcome it. But they're they're at least playing a different game than everybody else. You know what I mean? They're smart enough to say like we're not we can't sit here and try and do what everybody else does. But Oregon State hires Washington's offensive coordinator, uh, and like the one superlative year he had with that offense was when the wide receivers were John Ross and Dante Pettis, who you can see on Sundays. Uh, and kind of like, kind of like when only a better version was like when Chad Johnson and TJ Hushman Zada were, you know, lined up for Oregon state. What somehow. a team, what a team. Crazy. Steven Jackson backup running back. <laughs> yeah. What a team dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's like, you're not, you can't, you have to be trying to do something else or it's, you know, you have to do what those old Dennis Erickson teams did, which is just catch junior college lightning in a bottle, you know, <laughs> like with skill position guys. 
it's off topic, but I've often wondered, you and I spend a lot of time talking about expectation and how that becomes reality, right? Yeah. So when an SEC team plays a Pac-12 team, the expectation is the SEC team's going to win because that's what the SEC program believes. And that's effectively what the Pac-12 yeah. program believes too. And so they sort of like the, the mental aspect of it becomes reality. And, and it's interesting to watch that play out in bowl games, right? Because you see teams where, you know, it may have looked all year long like they're a pretty good matchup and then you get in the bowl and it's just like it, it wasn't, you know, it just is a total, for whatever reason, it's a total wash. I, I wonder, like fairly frequently, like at what point in time everybody's expectations got turned on their heads in that Oregon State, Notre Dame bowl, like Fiesta Bowl game. Because, like, you have to believe going into that game, Notre Dame was like, who are these guys? Yeah. Like, where are they? What? Who? I thought we were playing the Ducks. Never heard of them. <laughs> and, like, and like no chance I'm taking these guys seriously. And Oregon State, you know, you got to be like, oh, my God, we get to play Notre Dame. Like, the Notre Dame. This is going to be great. Like, this is our chance to shine. But, like, make no mistake, getting off the bus, they were like, we are the plucky underdogs here. And this is the almighty, you know, power football, you know, college football powerhouse. And I wonder if it was like during warmups or if it was like in the first quarter or maybe maybe it wasn't until halftime where everyone was like, oh, my God, we were wrong. Like, you know, on both sides. Like when Notre Dame was like, oh, we're so fucked here. Yeah. And then Oregon State's like, wait a minute. These guys are no good. You know, like. Yeah. I I wonder about that. Like when when was the mental shift in that game? Because like for sure the outcome was different than the expectation. I'm I'm going to go back and watch those highlights again, uh, which I and I watch those fairly frequently and I, I see if you can see if you can pinpoint the time the exact moment in time when the Notre Dame sideline realizes that they've made a big oh, mistake. no yeah and we were talking a second ago comparing John Ross and Dante Pettis to Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada let's be clear uh one of those receiving cores is significantly better than the other one you know what I mean like oh, oh, I love yeah, John yeah. Ross oh, yeah. and Dante Pettis but TJ Hushmanzada and Chad I mean Chad Johnson's like a hall of famer and TJ Hushmanzada was very, very good for a very long time. And both those guys, I, I would, I would ca- uh, characterize John Ross and Dante Pettis as nice guys. And I think uh, Chad. You John- know what though? You know what though? You kind of have to, kind of have to start to whisper the word Disley in there, and remind yourself that he also lined up with those dudes. Yeah. Now that he catches a touchdown in every single. Well, the thing is, is I I want to say that in sixteen when they were exploding, that Disley was still a D lineman. Like he became a tight end late, and then uh, it has become clear as every NFL game he plays that uh, he was maybe woefully underused at Washington as a pass catching threat. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, he's just his second year in the league, so. You know, 18 and 19, he was – so did he only play one year at tight end? Because if he – I mean, I thought – I feel like he played two. He, I feel like 16 was his, like, trial run as a tight end. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more uh, sample uh, – uh, also second-round NFL pick, but uh, the, although everybody thinks that was a terrible pick. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? But uh, – uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I love Will Disley, dude. I remember when we were recruiting him, uh, when we, we had, like, that signing day, uh, going through, this is probably the last time I did this, was, like, go through and watch uh, YouTube videos of, like, people's highlights, and I didn't find much in him, but I did find, like, his basketball highlights from Bozeman, and I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, that's a good sign for a defensive lineman. He can move. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying you gotta you gotta consider the fact that I think it's a pretty real possibility that that was the tight end on that John Ross, Dante Pettis teams. And if you were to be, if we're being honest with ourselves right now, like who's the dude in that of that triumvirate? Yeah, that's a, yeah. It might be Will Disley and, and, John, and John Ross off to a good start this year. Like numbers, yeah, yeah, like he's sure. uh, what uh, Kenny Smith calls in basketball games a looter and a riot. You know, like. Yeah. He's getting kind of meaningless numbers, you know, in losses. But, yeah, I mean, he's doing it. And Dante and Pettis, Pettis got a game winner well, recently. Pettis plays quite a bit. So, I, think, I mean, they've got – they're all playing. But Disley's the guy right now of those three. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say about uh, Hushmanzada and Johnson was that, like, uh, they, they strike me as, like, meaner on the field than Ross and Pettis. Yeah, no, they're better. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah, we're not arguing. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, but, 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 yeah. Like, I'm specifically thinking like uh, guys you would characterize as a dog. Yeah, like, yeah. For sure. yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, this was supposed to be short. Now it's going to be longer. Uh, Arizona, UCLA, uh, Arizona. I feel cheated by this game because I picked Arizona uh, to get a UCLA team that was coming off the incredible high of playing what uh, is in danger of being their one good half of football this year. Uh, uh, and Arizona won the game, but Khalil Tate didn't play, and we didn't have any idea about that. So UCLA actually ended up covering. Yeah, and that's a big difference when when Khalil Tate doesn't play. So you're right. You, I mean, it's probably a good win, actually, for Arizona. As you pointed out yesterday when, when we were uh, going through round one of this, like Arizona is like one yard short where Khalil Tate got tackled on the one again, you know, against the Hawaii team that is also good. Um, Arizona is that, you know, like that tackle away from being undefeated right now. Um, and so, I mean, I, this is a win for everybody. I mean, except you, because you picked Zona, but, um, you know, like UCLA acquits itself nicely after its surprise win and Arizona gets the win and, and, you know, off we go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then last up USC and Washington, uh, two ranked teams, USC comes to Seattle, the Clay Helton show. We got Matt Fink had a sparkling, uh, uh, fill-in performance against Utah, uh, but he found the going tougher against the Dogs. Threw, uh, I want to say, two or three interceptions in the game, uh, and many of them crucial. USC had a lot of trouble in the red zone, turning the ball over and not converting points. Washington ends up winning 28-14, to and honestly, uh, you, you, when they went up 28-7, to you felt like there was plenty of meat on the bone for Washington to push this thing on to 35-42, but they, they didn't. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, they win by two scores against USC and looked, I would say pretty comfortable doing it. Yeah. I would say my takeaways from this game was that Washington's offense is still a little herky jerky. You know, one of the touchdowns was a fumble in the end zone that Pacelli jumped on. So that's fortuitous, but not great because if that goes out of the back of the end zone where USC jumps on, it's a touchback. So when and it becomes a devastating play instead of a touchdown, and then another touchdown is the Savon Ahmed 89-yard burst, which, as we discussed, there aren't very many teams in the country um, who have a running back who can run away from you know USC's athletes. So it's nice to see that that's where Washington's recruiting is right now, that when their running back hits the hole against USC's defense, that he's faster than them. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with that. Um, but overall, my, my takeaways, offense, herky-jerky, and the secondary – I mean, I think is starting to gel. Three picks by my count. Elijah Molden had one, and the true freshman Cam Williams had two. Um, so, got to be happy with that. And as you kind of said, kind of an easy win for UW if there is such a thing against a ranked USC team. But, you know, we'll take it. Yeah. Covered? 
Yeah, slap in the face to Clay Helton. I mean, like that to, to me, that's my biggest takeaway from this game is that Clay Helton so needs to be fired because it's not like Washington played out of their minds. Uh, there were opportunities for USC to be very uh, more in this game uh, than they were. And like it's uh, if, for Washington to have an average performance against USC and win by a couple scores and have USC be like kind of, you know, beating themselves with penalties, beating themselves with turnovers. It's like they kind of still have the guys, you know, they were able to run the ball in this game to some extent. Yeah, I think Clay Helton makes the mistake that I've, I've faulted Bush Hamden for in the past. And what really bugs me about football coaching generally is when you outsmart yourself, Washington in this game was often lining up with five guys in the box, three defensive linemen, two linebackers against five, you know, five USC linemen and, you know, a running back and the quarterback. So seven to five in terms of the count there. And, and USC would run and, you know, they would gain yardage because there, there's a significant advantage there on USC's side. And they would do that two or three times in a row, but they would go away from it. Like, you know, like they would, eventually they would stop. And Washington is guilty of this too. And we're definitely guilty of this in the Cal game where you're chewing up yards and it's like, you don't want to become predictable or you don't want to, you know, you don't want to wait until the other team stops you to, to change what you're doing. And so you, like, unprompted basically get too cute. And we're like, well, now we're going we're gonna to switch things up. And I think the best football coaches in the world are the ones who are like, well, let's just wait a minute until they, they actually do take it away. And then when they take it away, I've got something for that. But we're actually going to, you know, instead of, instead of getting a first down on two carries and then on the next first down <coughs> – you know, like going away from those runs against five man, you know, five man box. I'm going to, I'm going to try and throw it into seven man coverage. Like, don't, don't do that. Like, you know, I mean, and, and Helton does this all the time. And that's why USC effectively lost this game in my opinion, because their offense, you know, Matt Fink was trying to, to throw the ball over linebackers that were dropping into coverage and underneath safeties that were just waiting for him to do it. And he couldn't, whereas if he just turned around and handed it off, they seem to have shown that their, you know, running backs could gain five, six yards at a, at a clip. Yeah, and I, I, there's a tension there uh, between you want to be able to run anything at any time. That that what make that's what makes uh, your offense theoretically optimally effective, right? And excuse me, I'm gonna cough. <coughs> it reminds me of uh, actually uh, what I've heard people say is the difference between the college basketball and NBA basketball, which is that like in in the NBA game, if there's a matchup that works, they will just hit it every single time down the floor until the other team subs the guy out or drastically changes what they're doing. And in college, they kind of, you know, uh, will get away from it and run their series of plays, uh, which I was yeah. I was reminded of this recently. because I can't remember the guy's name, but. It was somebody who's since established himself in the NBA, told his story about his first game, uh, and it was against the Isaiah Thomas, Brad Stevens Celtics, and he was a guard, and he was guarding Isaiah, and uh, Isaiah, you know, got to the rack, got a layup, and the next two times down the floor, Brad Stevens was just like, same, and then another layup, another layup, and then the guy got subbed out of the game, and he was just saying, like, damn, this is this is a brutal league. Yeah, yeah. that's how this works. Yeah. yeah, because that's what that's what should happen when there's money on the line, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like salaries uh, and job security and stuff like that. But in college, well, I would argue that there is money on the line because these coaches are all paid. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. 
I, I but, certainly care about, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I care about this at more than pro sports, honestly, you know. Yeah, well, I think USC, you live by it, you die by it. They, they had something that worked and did not force Washington to adjust what they were doing and take it away. They tried to make sure that, you know, keep Washington honest with the passing game, and it was like, all right, do what we want you to do. And as a result, we got, you know, UW got three picks and, you know, won the game, basically. Yeah, for sure. All right, so how are we doing picks last week? Uh, good, bad, and indifferent. I did good at four and one. You did bad at one and four. And Worm did, uh, you know, indifference mean, but um, he had three and two. Uh, that moves him to 24 and 21 on the year. I am uh, in second place right now at 28 and 17. And you have a one game lead at 29 and 16. All right. So now we go into next week's pick short slate. It's four games, four conference games, right? Uh, so we're going to talk yep. about eight teams, but we're going to do it pretty quick. Start off. Uh, who do we got on Saturday? How about Arizona going to Colorado? Two teams that are kind of sneakily three and one, both one and zero oh in the conference. Uh, you know, teams that maybe didn't have the highest of hopes coming into the season. Uh, but real opportunity for one of them to turn their good start into a very good start here at Folsom Field, Colorado, four and a half point favorites. Yeah, I mean. I'm on the buffs. They're at home coming off a bye and Arizona might be without Khalil Tate. So even, even with their, their good start, I'm going to take the buffs in this game and, and we'll see. I think this will actually be kind of a sneaky, good game. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, me as well. All right. Uh, let's go Oregon state, uh, traveling to UCLA, uh, again, two, two, maybe the worst conference matchup you could have this year. Well, definitely the worst conference matchup that you could have, but it happens to be played in Pasadena and UCLA push comes to shove has better athletes than Oregon state. So UCLA minus five and a half. I'll take the Bruins. I I'm uh, they have that thing that we've talked about a few times on the show where it says ticket prices on this one, $15 to get into this. So did they tarp off 80% of the Rose bowl? $15. Well, Does these tickets, they had to pay you five bucks to come to this game. Well, yeah, and they should cover your, like, Uber, you know, to get from L.A. to Pasadena, which is, you know, like can be $45, you know, $50. It's a long trip. Yeah, you know, they ought to be doing everything they can to get people in here. What a, what a slap in the face. In terms of the actual game, uh, UCLA six-and-a-half-point favorites. I think it has potential to actually be a game. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be a sucker and take the Beavers and the points. Is that what I did yesterday? I'm going to stick with it. Love it. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and you're on UCLA, correct? I'm not changing our picks. I'm leaving them the same. Okay. So yes, I'm All right. That works for me. All right. Next, <laughs> Cal and Oregon, a game that uh, before Chase Garbers got injured, looked to have major, major North implications. Still does. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Honestly, the result that's good for Washington is that Oregon stomps on Cal. Uh, and the odds makers think that that's what's going to happen. 18-point favorites, the Ducks, in this game because the thought is Garbers isn't going to play. Uh, and so Cal, their their path to victory in this game is kind of like pitch a perfect game on uh, uh, on defense, really. You know, and like hope to turn them over and hope to just make make this thing ugly. That's not going to happen. Um, Oregon does well at home. Cal, you know, with a backup quarterback, I think the wind is going to be out of their sails a little bit. Their defense is good, which I think gives them an opportunity to maybe cover this up. But I, I'm, I don't think their defense is that good. So I'm going to take the Ducks in 18 points, which is a lot. 
Um, I, I acknowledge that. Yeah. All right. No, I'll take Cal. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking they're going to, I think Oregon's going to win, but I think Cal will be able to ugly it up a little bit. And that brings us lastly to Washington on the road against Stanford, a game that was circled when the season started as a real uh, Pac-12 North test, but Stanford has looked so bad. Washington, 16 and a half point favorites. I think, we, what did we pick it on yesterday? 16. So the line keeps moving in Washington's favor. Uh, or maybe corrected back, right? Maybe it started higher. Uh, no, it started at 14 and a half, and now it's at 16 and a half. So the, the money has figured out that this is this is UW's game to win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Stanford's going to have the same plan that Cal does against Oregon, where it's like they're just going to try and make this game ugly, which is doable against Washington. But uh, this is also the type of game where, like, if you look up after – a quarter and a half and Washington's up like 24 to zero, you, you're not going to be like super shocked. Yeah. Stanford's not starting Costello. He's uh, supposedly, I mean, he's listed as doubtful, but everybody's basically reporting he's not going to play, um, which means they've got their backup. They're starting two true freshmen at left tackle and left guard. That seems problematic to me. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, never, never what you want to see in terms of uh, offensive line. You don't ever want to start two, two freshmen on your offensive line, I don't think, um, much less next to each other, um, much less against uh, Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake coach defense. So I, I think this is going to be, you know, this should be over early. Vegas thinks it should be over early, and I uh, will be furious if it's not. I will be. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about is the prospect to get mad at the teens. Yeah, exactly. All right, that is it for this week's eligible receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you.